Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that speaks so powerfully to us. Thank you that we can use technology to gather even when we're physically uh, separated. We pray, Lord, now that your spirit would uh, work powerfully in our hearts and minds, helping us to uh, really deeply understand who you are and all that you've done for us and that we might respond to your great love for us uh, in our lives as we seek to live them out in response to you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You might remember a few years ago when uh, the Chinese president rolled into Hobart and uh, he wanted to go up Mount Wellington and have a look at the view, which is fair enough because it's a great place to go. Well, uh, I uh, happened to be in town that day for whatever reason and so uh, I rolled on down to Davie Street where uh, I stood on the side of the road with, it must be said, quite a number of other people and we... Uh, stood there as they closed down Davy Street and all of Hobart came to a complete standstill because, of course, if you close down Davy Street, uh, there's nowhere else for traffic to go because you can't go anywhere in Hobart without going on Davy Street. Uh, and uh, we all came to a standstill as uh, the Chinese uh, president and his motorcade uh, ro drove through town and there were people there waving Chinese flags and being very patriotic. There were people like me who were just watching because they'd never seen anything like this before. Uh, and there were people there protesting, probably quite rightly, because of China's very poor record on human rights. It was a significant uh, moment uh, as this global leader, probably the you know, second most powerful country in the world, and here was their leader rolling through the streets of Hobart. Well, uh, in the story of Palm Sunday, we have the story of a king, of the leader of nations, rolling into the city, not of Hobart, but of Jerusalem. And we're going to have a look at uh, this story, a, a, a kind of story that we're all pretty familiar with because of our, our church calendar, but uh, we're going to have a look at it today uh, afresh and see uh, what this story can teach us about Jesus and about our response to him, particularly uh, at a time like this. But I, I want to just note something really quickly, and it's, it's just something I want to note because uh, it, it teaches us to pay close attention to the scriptures. So often when we get to familiar stories, uh, we can skip over things or assume things. So if you have a look at the reading that James uh, read to us from Luke, uh, Luke's Gospel today, uh, starting in verse 28 of chapter 19, uh, there's one really interesting thing missing. Did you notice it when James read? I'll let you have a little bit of a look through, through your Bible. I'll give you a hint. T today's called Palm Sunday. There aren't any palms in Luke's Gospel. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? So, as uh, Luke tells the story, and there's palms, in, this story's in all four of the Gospels, and there's palm branches in Matthew, Mark and John. But in Luke's Gospel, there are no palms. So all we get is Jesus getting onto the donkey in verse 35, 
uh, where they put their cloaks on for, as a saddle. Uh, and then in verse 36, uh, the people are simply throwing their cloaks on the road. There's no waving of palm branches at all in Luke's story, which is really interesting, isn't it? Uh, and as a total aside, I think interesting that in, for whatever reason in church uh, history and tradition, we've chosen to call this Palm Sunday. Because I would have thought, if you're going to name a day, you'd pick something that was used in all four tellings of the story. You might call this Donkey Sunday or Cloak Sunday. That's right. Uh, and so actually, isn't it interesting? I think maybe next year we should, uh, instead of putting beautiful palm branches, we should chuck some first century style clothing on our stage and hand out little crosses made of old raggedy cloths because that's the only thing that's across all four of the Gospels, these cloaks, these garments that are thrown across the ground. I've mostly been a little bit facetious, but it is important that we pay close attention to the Scriptures when we read them and that we don't allow uh, our own thoughts uh, to cloud what it is that God is trying to tell us uh, and that we don't assume things that may not be there. Well... <laughs> lack of palms aside on Palm Sunday, what does this passage actually teach us about Jesus and about what it means to follow him? Well, the first thing is that we see that Jesus is the fulfilment of God's promises and that this means we can trust God. This is, this is a story that shows us that God will do what he says so that when we read about what God says he will do, we can trust that. So, Back in the Old Testament, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, we read this. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a coal, the foal of a donkey. It's a promise, a prophetic promise of what is to come. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. He is the king whom Israel ought to rejoice over as he rides into their city, humble and lowly, on a donkey. God's past promise we see in this passage of Scripture made good. And of course, if God makes good the promises of old, that means we know he, he, he will make good on the promises of now and the promises to come. And of course, God does make promises about now and about the future. So, some examples of present promises that God makes. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago when we looked at Romans 8. The promise that nothing can separate us from God's love. That's a promise of God. And God keeps his promises because he promised that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem as king. And he did that. He promises that his love can never be taken from us. That's a true and trustworthy promise. Likewise, in places like Hebrews 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. When we read these words in the scriptures, the promises of God for our lives today, we can trust them because we see in the scriptures that God is a trustworthy God who fulfills his promises. And likewise, God makes promises about the future too. And so, 
uh, in Revelation, for example, chapter 21, that can be your Bible study for the week, if you like. Read Revelation 21 and think about the future promises of God, of a new heaven and a new earth where the people of God gather together and uh, uh, live in per perfect uh, obedience to the Father. Because our names are written in the book of life, it says at the end of chapter 21. And we know that our names get written in the book of life through trusting the King who rode into Jerusalem, through trusting in Jesus. This world is broken by sin. We know that. But the promises of God are that He'll never leave us, He'll never forsake us, we will always be connected to His love. And that he's got a plan to put all things to right. So Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. We can trust the promises God has made to us. We also see in this story that Jesus is the king. That he is in control. This story paints a picture of a, a regal entry as Jesus uh, is praised as he rides into town. And when the people say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord in verse 38, they're quoting from Psalm 118, verse 26, which strangely says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this is a, a psalm that is used to celebrate kings, the plan of God, for a, a king, an anointed one, to rule and reign over them forever. This psalm was used in Jewish worship to celebrate the fulfilment of God's plans. And as the long-awaited Messiah rides in, as promised, on this donkey, the people bring that psalm to their lips to to praise God for fulfilling his plan and, and, and to sort of uh, uh, declare Jesus the King, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Jesus is the King. That's how we're meant to understand this passage. Here he is, the, the promised King riding into Jerusalem. And of course, as a King... He has power and authority and he has control because he's not just like an earthly king, he's the king of kings. And that's important for us to remember too, isn't it? Because as we face uh, the, whatever's uh, happening in our lives because of coronavirus, financial insecurity, uh, loss of uh, work, loss of freedom... It can be easy, can't it, to wonder whether or not God is really in control. Like back in January or even early February, maybe even in early March, things were looking pretty good. We were, you know, going along okay in Tassie. The economy was pretty good. Our house prices were shooting up. If we owned our house, we were feeling pretty good about that. Uh, our super was growing at record rates. Uh, our lives were pretty comfortable. 
And it's easy, isn't it, as human beings to think, when our lives are comfortable, God is in control. But when our lives become uncomfortable, well, maybe God's not in control at all. But of course, that's a bit of a backwards uh, way of thinking, because back when we were living comfortable lives, we know, don't we, that there were a bunch of people who weren't. Like there are a bunch of people in the slums in Cambodia or India or wherever who were having a terrible time of it and are probably having a worse time of it now than we are. And yet we were happy to think, oh, God's a good God and in control because my life is nice. God is in control because he is the king and the Bible teaches us of his sovereign rule and reign. Jesus the king rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to go to the cross, to die for our sins so that we might enter right relationship with our heavenly father. Jesus as king and lord chooses to enter the worst of sufferings to enable us to have hope even in the midst of our worst of sufferings. Jesus is King. And whether he chooses to make our lives good or bad, it doesn't change the truth of the Scriptures that he is ruling and reigning over this world and that we can trust him Because, as we've seen, God keeps his promises. So that leads me to this final question for today, which is how are you going to respond to the King, to Jesus, to the one who keeps his promises? There's two responses, isn't there, in the the passage. There's the response of the crowds who sing out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They, 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 they announce who Jesus is and they worship him. But then there's also the response of the Pharisees. And we've been working through Luke for a little while now and as a church we know the Pharisees are slow to get it. And the Pharisees in verse 39, after hearing the people cry out in praise... What do they say? Teacher, verse 39, rebuke your disciples. Enough of this. Don't let them call you the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Don't let them declare you to be the Messiah. This is just, this is outrageous. They totally and utterly reject Jesus. And Jesus says to them, those who've rejected him, he gives a kind of funny answer, doesn't he? He says in verse 40, I tell you, even if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. He says that even if you choose to reject Jesus, ultimately the world is orientated towards praise and honour of its king. If we in our stubborn hard-heartedness choose to reject him, That doesn't change the trajectory of history, that the world will 
stand at the end as God has promised in places like Revelation 21 and sing praises of God and live under his perfect rule and reign forever and ever. I think COVID-19 can do one of two things for our relationship with Jesus. It can drive us to greater worship of the King as we realise we need Him more and more. Or it can turn us away as we think maybe He's not really in control. Maybe He doesn't really know what's going on. I hope you'll see that the evidence of, of the Scriptures, that the evidence of God's work in your life has been that he is a faithful God who works for the good of those who love him, even in the most difficult of circumstances. And I hope that you'll respond to Jesus with faith and worship like the people did on that first Palm Sunday. Let's rejoice that Jesus is King and join with those who've gone before us in saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.